Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, your word is a a one-of-a-kind thing. Many men have sought to write down things that seem special and important and insightful and inspiring. But only the Spirit of God has given us the word of God. So, Father, now we pray as we direct our attention to it, that by your Spirit you would open up our minds and our hearts to it and change our lives through it. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church that he's building here and all around the world. For the sake of that church we pray. Amen. Well, we're moving on through this month. There's only one Sunday left in it. And all during this month, we've focused our attention. As the title of our message says, this series of messages says, the people or people to live with. And that's the people that we live with and fellowship with right here at Sun Life Community Church. This is our, as I mentioned, our membership month. The month during which a brand new version, which will happen to be the 29th version of this Sun Life congregation, that newest version will be discovered. And so we continue for three more weeks in this little series of messages, discovering who we are. We are our people, aren't we? We've been describing ourselves with words that start with the letter R, and so far we've seen that, uh, excuse me, let me remind you of the series key scripture. Sorry, uh, don't, don't want to throw you off back there, Victoria. There's a key scripture for this whole series of messages. There it is. You are the body of Christ, Sun Life Church, and every one of you is part of it. So think to yourself, you're part of this thing. You're part of what Christ is doing in this place and the church he is building right here. And so far as we've discussed what are we like in this place, what do we want to be like perhaps, we've come up with a series of our descriptors. Here they are. The people who make up Sun Life Community Church we've seen so far are reborn people, resilient people, responsive people, reflective people, and just last week, resolute people. They don't quit, they don't give up, they don't turn away. We stand firm in our faith for Jesus Christ. Resolute people. Now, I hope as we've gone through these identifications one by one, each of you has been able to say, yep, that's who and what we are. That's certainly the kind of congregation we want to be. Let me just read them again. 
Reborn people, resilient people, responsive people, reflective people, resolute people. That's quite a set of characteristics. And, and here we have one more today. Here's today's key identification. And there's two more to come after this. So here's today's. The people who make up Sun Life Community Church are reverent people. Now, as I just look around this room, my eye falls on several of you who probably in your whole life have never been called reverent. Outrageous, kind of an R word, and we get to it, but reverent people, reverent. Here's the way we describe it. These are people who approach Father, Son, and Spirit in an attitude of awe and wonder. You do that, don't you? They approach Father, Son, and Spirit in an attitude of awe and wonder that really says, our God is great, our God is amazing, our God takes my breath away when I really think about the nature of God and the work of God and even how he has impacted my life. I, I just stand in, in awe. Think back to the days before you were saved. Think back to the days before you knew anything of God's truth. And now look at yourself now and say, God has changed me. God has brought me from where I was to where I am. And God knows me. God loves me. God cares for me. And God's spirit is working in me and changing me. And, and go ahead and say it quietly, not right out loud. But just say, given all that, God is doing something awesome in me. God is doing something awesome in me because he's an awesome God. And so we approach. We approach our Heavenly Father. We approach our exalted Savior, Jesus. We approach our earthly companion, the Spirit, Numa himself, in a sense of awe and wonder. That's who we are because we know these things and that's the way these truths impact us. I say here, we find ourselves, or these are people who find themselves whispering in the presence. Whispering in the presence of an almighty God. You know, we sang song after song after song this morning that just highlighted the, the awesomeness of God, the wonder of God, Father, Son, Spirit, and, and you can find yourself just sort of quieting down in reverence before those truths, before those realities, before the, the God that we serve and know. God wants us to be reverent people. What an identity to maintain. It's an identity that actually characterizes the heavenly hosts themselves. If we could ever get a peek into heaven, the way that John the, the apostle was lifted up and that he wrote down what he could, I imagine a lot of what he saw couldn't even be put into words. But he wrote down what he could, and the impression in the book of Revelation was that everyone in heaven is just overwhelmed with the goodness and greatness of God. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. There's reverence 
It characterizes the heavenly host. It's an identity that prepares us for heaven. As we learn to be reverent here as that kind of spirit of a holy hush when we think about God and his goodness as that comes into us. We're, we're getting ready for what, what heaven is like. It's an identity that brings a bit of heaven to earth. And that means at times it, that attitude of reverence, can lift us spiritually and emotionally above the fallenness and the brokenness of this world. And that's a good thing. And so we say we are reverent people. We are people who approach Father, Son, and Spirit in an attitude of awe and wonder. We are people who find ourselves, at times, whispering in the presence of God, overwhelmed by it all, and not trying to create a ruckus, but just to take it in and be submitted to it. And so I'd have you consider as we begin this message today, today's key scripture. It's Psalm 46.10. It's God himself speaking. He says this. I know you've heard this before, but boy, does this apply today. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. Those words come from our God. Father, Son, and Spirit, be still. Kind of means quiet yourselves. For some of us, that's easy. For some of us, not so much. Quiet yourselves. God is saying, quell the noise of the world and the anxieties of the day. Just quiet yourselves. Be still. It's not exactly like pretend none of that's out there, but focus more on what's in here than what's out there. Be still and know that I'm God, he says. Know that I will be and would be exalted in the earth. That really means recognize that you have entered a place where the Almighty God is honored and adored, that you are in the midst of his people. Now, all the years that we've met for worship here in this place since 2007, just about half the life of Sun Life Community Church since our first service was held. But since June of 2007, we've met for worship right here in this building. And all the years that we've met for worship here in this place, visitors who have come have commented upon entering this room that there is a spirit in this room that attracts them, that draws them, that communicates something to them. They generally cannot put a name to it, but they do not deny being affected by it, if only for that day, for that hour. And I believe, I believe that the name that identifies it best is our word of the day. There's a spirit of reverence in this place. Nothing else really ever happens here 
but the worship of God. We don't rent it out for other groups that just need a place to meet. We don't rent it out for weddings or other services. We don't, we resisted putting basketball hoops at both ends of it so that uh, we could every now and then just uh, have some fun in here. No, none of that has ever been or ever will be. There's a spirit of reverence in this room that has just come to be. Ever since we've been here, it's built over the years. It's an awareness that God is and that there is nothing more important than knowing him and placing yourself under his sovereignty. I'd like you to consider with me this morning and rejoice with me this morning in these what I'm calling four reverent sun life moments. Things that happen right here that contribute toward that spirit and that certainly bring the blessings of that spirit to us. Number one, we engage in worship reverently. We've done that this morning. I was sitting here in my chair hoping, Joe, that you didn't mess up the whole thing. <laughs> that we didn't have any dancing clowns come out. We didn't have any raucous music. All of a sudden, a special band we brought in just to raise the roof. No, we just sat here, and it was glorious. Was it not? It was just glorious. It was reverent. The words that were sung were precious and true and biblically sound. Way, way back in, in the Old Testament days, as the people came back from exile and basically the books of first and second kings were being rewritten from a new perspective called first and second chronicles and now it's like we're rebuilding this nation and we're we're getting back on on a focus on god as it ought to be and we read in first chronicles 16 29 it says to the people who are returning back it says worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness the old King James says, in the beauty of his holiness. But I, I find that word splendor to have a, it, it means the brightness, the lightness, the glory, the, the glare, the splendor, the God that you can't look upon with the naked eye, with the eye of fallen sinful men. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. I almost fell off my chair. See, I never know what we're going to sing. Linda gets all the things ready, and I do not look at those songs. I do not try to reconfigure the message in light of the songs. I do not to try to analyze whether the message we have and the songs we're going to sing in any way fit together. I sit here on a Sunday morning, and I see those songs in the same order with the same freshness that you see them. The only thing I do know in addition to you is what I'm planning to preach, and I will sit there and say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, that's point one. Oh my goodness, you, you talk about a holy God, only a holy God, only, that's one of the great, great worship songs. We sang it this morning. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The cover, the outside front page of our bulletin has declared for more than 28 years the fact that we consider ourselves to be a worship-centered church. 
One of the songs we've sung repeatedly over the years emphatically declares this phrase. It says, we've come to worship. We've come to worship, and indeed we have, and we do week after week after week. No one who has attended even one service with us can miss that. We've come to adore and to celebrate the greatness and goodness, yes, and the splendor of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just wonder, who here, who here somewhere has not, somewhere along the way, on some particular Lord's Day, been blinded, as it were, by the glory and the goodness of the God that they're singing about? Who here has not someday come into this church with their eyes so fixed upon the troubles of the world that they could see no further than the next moment of their earthly challenge? And who here, having been in such a condition, has not found their eyes lifted and their vision sharpened through our time of worship to see once again the God who reigns over all, and who holds their life securely in his hands. Worship of our good and glorious God is transformational. We bow in the midst of it. We find our eyes at times filled with tears because of the truth of it. Oh, there's somebody sitting in our church right now that I think of who quite a few years ago, came to the very first service that he and his wife had attended here. And when that that very first service was over, he said to me, you know, I've been going to church a long time. Maybe it had gotten fairly routine. I'm not sure all the reasons that brought them through our doors the first Sunday, but they sat here and he said to me, And during that worship, he said, I just found tears running down my face because of what he was experiencing here. Tears when when we're brought face to face with the truth of God and when we get caught up in the beauty of it, the greatness of it. You see, worship of our good and glorious God is transformational. In this place, we still ourselves. And we know that our good and gracious and glorious God, the Holy, Holy One, is being exhorted, is being exalted in our little corner of the world and his splendor. His splendor is blinding us to anything else. And that moment, that experience, stands apart from anything else we do, and it becomes precious to us. Indeed, we enter worship reverently. And then, at the apex of our worship that we've just passed a few minutes ago, at the apex of our worship, at that moment when the splendor of our good and glorious God has captured us most completely, when we are most prepared to surrender our lives and our life circumstances once again to his wise and loving care, we hear the words, 
as it were, of our Heavenly Father's exalted Son, Jesus, coming to us by means of the ever-present ministry of our earthly companion, Numa. And secondly, we see, we enter the garden of prayer reverently. I shared them this morning. We do regularly. The verse we have before us, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, here's the truth of it, and here's why we do this. Because you see, though we would yearn, any believer, the longer you've been a believer, the more you feel like a child of God and you look up at your loving Heavenly Father, though we would yearn to enter right into the throne room of our Heavenly Father and climb, as it were, right up on his lap. This is not yet the time. Nor are we yet prepared to handle such a moment. The splendor of his holiness is far too much for our earth-born and earth-bound eyes to handle. But we've discovered that we can enter our garden of prayer. We earth-born and earth-bound ones can come and present ourselves here in this earthly place in anticipation of the day and of the opportunity that is yet to come. And the Father at such a moment, I believe, accommodates himself to our earthly condition. And his spirit brings to us as much, as much of the Father's presence and glory as we can handle. And he ministers comfort and peace and renewed hope and trust, does he not? And we sense that a meeting with God in his goodness has really taken place. And our sense of reverence increases. So on any given Sunday morning, and surely on this one, we engage in worship reverently, and we enter the garden of prayer reverently, and then, and that's what we're doing right now, we open the word of God reverently. Hebrews 4.12 says this, Now the word of God is active, alive and active. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You see, there's a purpose and a flow to our morning meetings. First, we worship our awesome God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We enter into and immerse ourselves in the splendor of holiness as far as and as much as we can in our current earthly condition. We come to the place where our newly enlightened eyes can gaze upon the glory of God and we surrender ourselves and our life to God once again. And having opened ourselves and our life circumstances up before our Heavenly Father in worship and in prayer, it's now as though the Father says to us, you know, this morning as you've worshipped me, as you came before me with your life circumstances, your needs, your desires, your hopes, your fears, I've noticed something about you. 
something that I want to talk to you about. And so we open his word. He, by his spirit, opens his word for us and opens our minds to it. And we tell ourselves that the God we love and worship and revere has something to say to us that can greatly benefit us. And as the word of God then is read and explained, it seems as though those words were written to us personally. Do they not often do that? Have I not heard many of you over the years, and this is no tribute to me, but have I not heard you kind of lightheartedly, jokingly, to kind of break the tension a little bit after church say, were you hanging around my house this week? Were you listening in on conversations I had this week? Were you observing situations in which I found myself this week? Because this message seemed like it was addressed right to me. That's what our God does. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God itself is alive. It's not a dead book I hold in my hand. It's alive and active, and it judges. That means its truth gets right down inside of us and makes value judgments that we then have to evaluate. Is that really true about me, we say? If that's true about me, is this what God really expects of me, we wonder? And it gets right into the deepest part of us, into the, the things we're probably most struggling with or most having stress over, and, and the Spirit says, see? See? God knows. The Word of God applies. God's speaking to us. We know that. And so we don't argue with these words. We revere them. We are to some degree in awe of them. They tell us things about ourselves that we need to know. Things that we might possibly need to admit or confess or repent of. They inform us. They chide us. They may reveal things to us that we would rather not know, but that we nevertheless must address. There are also words that thrill us, that assure us, that encourage us, that direct us and prepare us. We know. Having worshipped God reverently and really felt uh, the power and truth of his presence, having come in prayer before him reverently, we know by the time the words of God are read, we know that these are not the words of men, but the very God that we have worshipped and that we revere. It is he who is speaking through them. And as we leave the service each week, we do, do so convinced that the word of God is indeed the light that we should be shining on our path and walking in. 
one very special reverent Sun Life moment remains, and in many ways it's the culmination of the other three. Regularly engaging in worship reverently, and entering the Garden of Prayer reverently, and opening the Word of God reverently each and every week of the year, prepares us to do the thing that we only do once a year. And it's the very thing we're engaged in right now. And so I'd say, fourth of all, in these Sun Life special moments, we make membership commitments reverently. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13, 14, enter through the narrow gate. All these years that nobody's been able to make it wider. You know, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of would-be leaders and teachers who have tried to figure out a way to make that narrow gate a little wider. Sometimes it's Jesus and that makes it a little wider. Sometimes it's a, a little bit more liberal notions of how what God expects of us and what he says not to do. And, and sometimes it's like, you know, I believe God looks at things differently today than he did 2,000 years ago. And they, they try to make that gate a little wider and a little wider so that a bigger bunch of people can get through. But what Jesus said 2,000 years ago is still true. It was the truth of God he stated then, and it still is the truth of God. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. If you're finding a pretty wide one, he would say, back away, look for another. It's not the way home. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road. Not only is the gate small, narrow, but the path that leads from it is narrow. You might say it's only room for two. You and the Holy Spirit walking side by side. It's a narrow path even that leads from the narrow gate. Small is the gate, narrow the road, what? That leads to life, though. That's where it's leading, to life. And, sadly, only a few find that one. That's a truth. Anyone who's going to follow Jesus is going to be in a relatively small group. It was true in Jesus' day. It's been true ever since. It's true today. And a lot of us in this country are, are kind of having a fresh wake up to the idea that a true believer in Jesus Christ is not ever, maybe again, going to be part of the majority. And maybe they never were. Few there be. Few there be that really find this way of life that Jesus calls us to follow. You see, those words are some of the most significant ever spoken. They are definitely the most strategic for anyone to act upon. All eternity rides upon them. These are words that identify the path, the only path that leads to eternal life. Now, those are words that we here take very seriously. And we find it most meaningful to act upon them reverently 
every single year. Now, every born-again Christian believes these words of Jesus. Every born-again Christian believes that, that they should live a life pleasing to him, honoring to him, trust the Holy Spirit to give them grace and strength to do so. But only, I'm not aware of hardly any other believers anywhere who attend a church do, that does exactly what we do as a way of making a person on an annual basis giving them an opportunity to recommit themselves publicly and meaningfully to Jesus Christ. And so once a year, as you know if you've been here, once a year we have that membership commitment moment to say, I, I still believe. I still believe. I seek to follow Jesus Christ. I commit myself to follow him into this coming year. And I commit myself to be part of this local fellowship that, that God has led me into. And I'm, I'm going to stick with it and stay with it. And there's a power in doing that. And when we do that, I've observed, we do it reverently. To see well over 100 people like we did just two weeks ago, see well over 100 people standing quietly in line. They didn't stand that quietly for the potluck afterwards. <laughs> but right here, standing quietly in line, preparing to sign their name to a document that affirms their commitment to the key elements of the Christian faith and to this local body of believers is a sight that very few people ever get to see. We get to see that on an annual basis, and it's done with a, with a hush in this room. It's done with people sensing the, the seriousness of it and the meaningfulness of it. And the fact that it's not just a token thing, but they, they really do relish the chance to say, oh God, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as my sole savior from the penalty of sin. Oh God, I acknowledge the word of God to be my, my framework and foundation for life. Oh God, I acknowledge the, the spirit of God. I, I receive him as my guide for, for living through this life. And as we stand there, thinking that's what I'm about to sign my name to. We do that reverently, in awe and wonder. You can look around at the others and just, just be amazed as you see a whole family making commitments to Christ. You can see an 80-year-old man and an 8-year-old boy side by side, both making a commitment to Christ in a way that elevates that young fellow's sense of importance and assures that older gentleman that, that the faith is not dying out with his generation. And there's a hush in this room. It's a reverent thing that we do. And we do it and have done it just two weeks ago. I would say to you, not only are there few congregations, few groups of Christians who ever get to see that, I would say it's a sight that God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, seldom get to see. We see it every year. 
We allow our God to rejoice in it every single year, and we share together in it in a most reverent way. And so, affirming this morning that in these various ways, Sun Life Community Church would seek to present itself as a local church body composed of reverent people, we come to our final thought. Here it is. Blessed indeed. Boy, I would say, I'm blessed indeed to be part of this. Blessed indeed is a church body that is composed of people who approach their God in a spirit of awe and wonder. Not awe and wonder at the, at the church body itself. Not in awe and wonder of the things we do or how we do it. But awe and wonder at the majesty and greatness of our God. Father, Son, and Spirit, to have a whole group of people who stand before God aware of who he is and being in awe and wonder to stand reverently before him in worship and in prayer and in a listening to his word and in a committing themselves to a life of, of obedience. We say Sun Life Community Church is composed of such reverent People, people to live with, people I certainly can live with. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, to go through these things is, is a privilege. To recognize that when Jesus said he was going to build his church, he was, he was making no casual statement. He, he was not thinking that, oh, those people who follow me, they'll figure out how to get together. They, they won't want to go at all by themselves. and They'll join together. They'll stay together. They'll kind of uh, appreciate one another, maybe. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to build my church. A structure that is filled with the awe and wonder of God, that stands above and beyond anything else on the face of the earth, a church of people. Each one of them will be a vital part of it. And every individual local body will have a, an identity that is uniquely their own, even though they're part of the great big large thing that someday will be together in heaven. But right now, we're on earth. We have an address. We have a location. Each of us individually and, and this, this body of believers together. And it has a name. Under the authority of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, what a privilege to be part of one of these local bodies that has a name that you can say, oh yes, that's, uh, <laughs> that's Sun Life Committee Church there in Apple Valley, California, Southern California. Father, we praise you for that. And we praise you that by the work of your Holy Spirit that you have given us birth into your family and that you've led us into fellowship with one another that we might be part and a unique part of the very local earthly body called the Church of Jesus Christ. We praise you for that. Father, never let us lose the awe and wonder 
of the whole thing. For we ask it in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.